Before Molly and I officially get started with GVGP episode 33, we would both like to dedicate this episode to ECM, better known by many as Eric Melonis, former writer and editor for Game Fan Magazine. We are sad to report that he passed away on January 13th, 2018, at the young age of 43. Uh, before getting into the main introduction, I'll do a little quick quote here,、uh, which I'd gotten from the、uh, New York Times, published on February 18th. And it says Author, games journalist, and former editorial director of GameFan, creator of GameGo, Eric C. Malonis, better known as ECM, went home to God on January 13th, 2018, at 43 years of age, pre deceased by Mother Margaret Monica. Loved and missed by all, Mary Angela and four children invite all to a requiem mass.、Um, and this was yesterday, by the way,、uh, at St. Mary's、uh, 40 Russell, St. Lindsay in Ontario, Canada.、Uh, and、uh, my source on that was legacy.com, originally published in the New York Times on February 18th.、Hmm. Yeah, it's.、Um You know, it's, it's, a, it's a real shame because like, I hadn't talked to him in a long time. And、uh, for anybody who kind of had, had much into the falling out of Game Fan, like, and, you know, when it, when it shut down and everything,、um, Eric ended up going to do some other projects and then kind of broke off from things and, and kind of wanted to distance himself from everything. And which is, you know, which is always, you know, people's choice to do. Uh, but it, it, it was sad because, like, I know that a lot of the previous people who had worked with him at GameFan then kind of lost contact with him. And, and I think in, in recent years he had started talking more to people again. But,、um, you know, I never had a chance to really say much to him in, in, in recent years. And I had wanted to, but it's always one of those kind of things where, like, yeah, I'll get around to it someday, you know, kind of thing. And now, of course, I can't, which, which, which really sucks.、Uh, Yeah, it was sad to hear. And I didn't, I didn't, you know, my relationship with Eric was, was a little strange、um, just because I left、uh, Los Angeles, where GameFan was based,、um, in 1998.、Uh, that's that's period, like, kind of right after the big split happened. And that was also the point when Eric was kind of rising to power in GameFan. So he hadn't been there for. For very long, in terms of my knowing him, and then, you know, the kind of the ECM era happened when I was back home in Nebraska. So, you know,、mm. I talked to him a lot. I had communication with him, but I very, very rarely actually met him. So it was kind of,、um, you know, like an, like an over the internet relationship versus a working with him every day and kind of knowing him on that level. So I, I didn't know him as well as some of the people from GameFan did, but, you know, still like, It was pretty, pretty terrible to hear this news, and you know, especially at such a young age. So, yeah, it's、uh, very sad news, very crazy. Heard that through the grapevine. And as I know, you know, you know, he was still regularly posting online at various gaming forums、uh, online. And correct me if I'm wrong, one of them may have been like SegaNet or something of that nature. Yeah, I'm not sure the exact places. Like I said, I, I've kind of I, I hadn't. You know, I, my knowledge of, of ECM in recent years was knowing a couple people who did still talk to him and just every now and then hearing a little 
piece here or there. So I, I really wasn't aware until recently when, when you know, details started coming out, the fact that he still had a presence in, in certain spots around the internet. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and uh, I, I think I think his tombstone will read, you know, he hated Shenmue. So. Oh, wow! Was, wasn't he the one who hated Shenmue? Like, wasn't he one of the big Shenmue hater? I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. I I, I feel like if anything, it, you know, that one point that people are going to remember of him, and and I'm I'm making light of him, just you know, right, in, in a loving way. Um, I feel like the one thing that people are going to remember, I think, was that he was the big Shenmue hater at a game fan. <laughs> I think he's the one who trashed it, and and he had the the side who was like, you know, how dare you, and the side right. who was like, finally somebody's saying the truth about this. Right, someone having the guts to, to you know? yeah. I said, I think, I think that was him. You know, I, I remember, you know, he was the the big shmup guy, but I think he hated the word shmup, if I remember correctly. <laughs> so. Well, and I have some direct quotes here, uh, some nice words from your Twitter feed from a couple weeks ago, and uh, echoing much of what you just got done saying. You know, you went on to say, just finding out that X-Game fan staff or ECM passed away, you didn't know him too well personally, but uh, you remained a part of the Game Fan crew during his reign, and while you got a lot of ribbing both in and out of the mag, he always seemed to totally respect your work, and to you that meant a lot. And uh, you said he could be hot-tempered, highly opinionated, and pretty stubborn, but he was also a good guy and was extremely passionate and dedicated to video games and Game Fan as a whole. And then uh, a fun little uh, tidbit here is you go on to say, although ECM, wherever you are, I'll never believe you beat Genesis Target Earth no. without using a cheat code. That was one of the things we always argued, you know. Um, like that to me is like one of my biggest memories of him is is that he swore up and down that he had beaten Target Earth without cheat code. And for anybody who was around back in the day for the Genesis and playing that game, like that was God, I hate I hate that I'm gonna do this, but like it was was like the Dark Souls of, of Genesis, you know. Right. <laughs> Everything's the Dark Souls of something now. Um but it was brutally hard. Uh, and I had never met anybody who admitted to beating it without a cheat code, and he he did. So, you know, I, I still don't believe you, ECM, wherever you are. You're jogging my... We're talking about Target Earth, and am I way off base a couple of years ago on PS4? Yep. Uh, Assault Suit Lanos? Yeah, so Target Earth was part of the Lanos series, um, and I... <sighs> I, I'm forgetting now if it was some of the original devs of the game or if it was a team of fans who just really loved the original game. Right. Um, but there was work done to kind of remaster it for the new generation. And I've got the physical version sitting on my shelf, but I have yet to have time to touch it, unfortunately. Mm. But no, like, like if anybody who hasn't played that game, um, it was really, really awesome, Like especially back in the day, because like every stage did something a little bit different. So you kind of pilot this robotic suit and, you know, the first stage is enemies are attacking. You need to protect the, the citizens of your outposts so they can get away before the ships are blown up and everything. And then, you know, like every stage past that would have different kind of missions. And so it felt very, it felt very like varied and and unique, like in that era. Right. Yeah. I mean, I love that, uh, that series as well. And I think it also... I think Cybernator on SNES, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, in that series as well. Yeah, it was I part of the series, but it was it was nowhere even close to as good. Mm. Mm. But uh, with that being said, uh, ECM, Eric Melonis, uh, wherever you are, you will be missed. And, and, and somewhere he's wearing a Terry Bogart outfit. 
Uh, but, um, so with that, uh, everyone keep him in your thoughts and hearts and, uh, we will now get on officially to generic video game podcast episode 33, which, so. oh my God, Anthony, like, why have you been so busy lately that we couldn't do a podcast? Oh, yeah. Like you are the biggest jerk in the world. Yes. It's all, it's all on me. <laughs> I was the, uh, I was the sticking point as to why we haven't been able to record. No, so so anybody who doesn't know, like I did talk about this on my Twitter feed, and if you follow me, you would have seen later tweets that would explain things. Um, but back in November, uh, my wife and I had twins, so we have twin babies at home. And if you have never had twins, uh, they are chaos. So, like, I, I knew going in, you know, that I was going to need at least some time to kind of let things calm down a little bit, and that's definitely been the case. So. Uh, we've been away for a while as I get to that first kind of early period of, of parenthood. Um, and then going forward, you know, I don't know how regular our schedule will be again, just quite yet, but you know, we'll get back to it. So just please be patient and understand that the show will be a little, uh, uh, not, not, not set in stone in terms of when we're doing it, uh, still for a while. Yeah, I'd say we'd average one a month uh, over the course of the past three and a half years. Uh, but I think it's safe to say that, um, you know, even if there are some lulls and gaps, uh, we haven't forgotten about the fans or the show. Uh, it is still very important to us. And I think the best promise we can make is, you know, we'll do our best to record uh, when time allots. And, uh, you know, and when, when we have the opportunity to do so, we'll, you know, we'll make that time. So... And it's not like I've ever been on a podcast that just suddenly disappeared with no warning or anything. <laughs> no. So. No. Thank God it wasn't some sort of huge podcast or anything of that yeah. nature. That was laser-sided to a rabid fan base that was that's frothing at the mouth for more content. At least it was very mainstream. And, 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 they're, and they're now approaching fast with pitchforks. Yeah. So, so with that being said... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Generic Video Game Podcast. After a 125-day recording hiatus, GVGP33 is about to unfold. Since our last recording, Halloween has come and gone, Thanksgiving, Christmas, the New Year, and even a new Gran Turismo has released. Yeah, it's been that long. Oh, and Molly has helped bring two beautiful girls into the world, so... She's been a tad busy. Through it all, we haven't forgotten about our fans and are thrilled to be back with more gaming stories, insight, and whatever else comes to mind. Thank you for your patience, and we hope you enjoy the first episode of 2018. I am kind of sad that we missed out on, like, best of 2017 conversation because, like, 2017 was crazy in, in just how many games there were to pick from for, like, your best of the year list. Yeah, just real quick off the top of your head, what what was it the top maybe top three or four titles from uh, 2017 for you? Well, in in terms of like what I put on my list, uh, five was Neo. Um, four. Oh wow! Oh my god! And now I'm gonna like totally space. I'm so ashamed of this. Um, now see now now you're saying. Well, I can throw some names out there that I think will will connect with you. Uh, Near Automata. That was that was one. That was number one. Okay, I'll tell you right now because I'm getting my list here. Uh, so number five was was number five was the spot that I had trouble with because there are a lot of games that I could have put in that list, um, and that and that spot. Uh, 
big Hot Wheels head. Uh, okay, five was Neo. Four was uh, Project Diva Future Tone. Number three was Sonic Mania. Two was Hellblade, and one was Near Automata. Automata. Wow. I'm happy to see Sonic in there that high. That was definitely one of my highlights of uh, 2017. But, I mean, there was, like, um, there was Gravity Rush 2. There was Cuphead. There was Persona 5. There was Next Machina. And that's even, like, not getting to the big, big games that came out in the year. You know, they're... Um, Resident Evil 7. Horizon Zero Dawn, Resident Evil 7. Like, there were so many, like... It was one of those years where you don't have trouble making a list in terms of what you want to put on it. The trouble is right. like what to not what to not include. Sure, narrowing it uh, down and trying to play that game, so to speak, of you know, yeah, uh, yeah, and putting a number on it. I guess is what I should say. Making it tough. If it was speaking more in general, and you know, like, hey, these are the games you should check out. It's probably a little bit easier. But when you're picking favorites with a year like 2017, that's uh, that's very challenging. And there was, um, I mean, like, I don't know if it would have been on, on, a, on a top five list, but, like, Evil Within 2 was actually a pretty decent game. Yeah, and I don't know a ton about this, but I saw recently there's a free update coming for first-person mode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, so, like I said, like, uh, all the big stuff that came out, too. Um, yeah. So, like, like, for you, like, what were your favorite of the year? Uh, you know, I, I hate to I hate to just repeat, but, you know, definitely Sonic uh, Mania is up there. Um Near Automata, I've enjoyed. I'm not going to lie, I haven't 100% completed it, but I, I've enjoyed what I've played of it. Um, I'll brag a little bit. Uh, someone in my life uh, recently surprised me and got me the beautiful 4LP vinyl set of Near Automata, which uh, that was nice. They got it off Square Online in the United States. It was originally only available at Tokyo Game Show this past September in 2017, and it sold out instantly. So yeah, little... I really, really wanted that, but I think my problem with it was that it it's a limited selection from each game. That's right. That you're well. It's it, yes. It's a near end uh, near automaton. You're right. It's not a hundred percent complete, but it is a beautiful set. But yes, it it is split between both games. Yeah, and I wasn't yeah. I wasn't happy with the uh, the automata portion in terms of like what songs they chose and didn't choose. Right. And for those who don't know uh, and don't want to go out and hunt that set, you can go onto iTunes and buy the entire, excluding the uh, limited like 8-bit CD, which hit Japan on the first print run. Excluding that, you can get the whole Nier Automata soundtrack for like 16 bucks or so. And digitally. you really should because it is far and away the best. Like in, an, in, a, in a year where Persona 5 came out, like Nier is far and away the best soundtrack of the year. Which is crazy in a year with, uh, you know, especially... And, 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 and a year with Sonic Mania, and a year yeah. with Cuphead, and a year with some other games that, you know... I love the Sonic there. Mania soundtrack. And this is also in a year with a new Persona, uh, Persona 5, which had a... I literally a just said that. I literally, Anthony, that's a specific proof Anthony doesn't actually listen to me on the show. Because I literally <laughs> just started this statement by saying that. I apologize. Yes. I apologize. It's, uh, it's a tape delay. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> well, you know, you know why I was losing concentration. I was while you were talking, I was punching in my credit card number. I needed to buy an extra character slot for Metal Gear Survive. Oh, oh no! <laughs> like, like, how dare they? Oh, what a like, way to I segue! Mean, how, yeah, to how save dare me. you when you've got this game that you know <laughs> is so controversial because of everything that's happened with the company. 
everything that's happened with Kojima, you know, you, you've got this very, very first game from a series, like one of the few series out there in gaming that is directly tied to one person. And this is the first game without that person at the helm. How right. dare you do that? Like, that is just, that is just. I've got an interesting question about this, and it's not to escape my top games of 2017 and my rudeness. I, I apologize for not catching that persona bit, but okay. Excluding games writers and journalists who get review copies and and such, do you personally know anyone that on their own merit has gone out and purchased Metal Gear Survive? I mean, per- personally, no. Like, I mean, I've seen people talking on the internet about doing so, but I've, I do not know anybody, like, personally who has. I don't either. And being a collector and a junkie, uh, I have not purchased that myself, nor do I have any intention. And even I even told myself at one point, you know, maybe when that thing blows out at, like, 15 bucks just to mess around with it. But after watching the reviews and that type of tactic, I legitimately have, like, zero interest in, in touching it. Well, what's been interesting for me, though, is, like, it's been very kind of, like, like love or hate. Like, I've seen people who either said it's complete garbage or people who mm-hmm. are, like, this is a really good game and, and people are, like, crapping on it for no reason whatsoever, you know? So it's it's not like it's just people saying it sucks. There are people out there who legitimately are really liking it. Hmm. But, but yeah. I, like, like, you, like, I'm curious. But, yeah, I'm never going to go out and spend, you know... I don't even know how much it costs. Is it forty? I think it's forty. Yeah, there's no way I'm spending forty bucks in that game. <laughs> and then, like, I I think it's you know I think we're in a weird place because we're we've got games now that last way longer than they did before, mm-hmm. which is kind of good for people. You know, you've got like a Fortnite or a player known Battlegrounds or an Overwatch or sure fighting games or you know Grand Theft Auto Five for God's sakes. When did that come out? God, it's, I think it was like fall of 2013. It's still in top 10 sales every year. It sold 90 million copies at this point. Yeah, you told me that incredible statistic. I mean, even I was thinking about that. Like, because, you know, some people can will go, well, you know, it's multi-platform and it's on everything. But even if you look at PS3, 4, XB1, uh, PC download, uh, and throw something else in there. Even if you took that five, you know, let's say that's five consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, that's still like pushing 17, eight, that's like pushing 20 million sales per console if you do, you know, split the math up evenly. And so even that game selling 15 to 20 million is a feat. Yeah. But pushing 100, so even, you know, even the multi platform angle on this doesn't really apply because that's 100 million uh, copies sold. And it makes me think of. <clears throat> When, uh, like, Wii Sports, when the argument was like, well, that was packed in in every console. and But Grand Theft Auto V is not a packing title. No. And it's still selling. It's, it's like, it's mind-blowing. There are only, there, there's only two games that have sold more than GTA V at this point. Do you remember you, which ones you they t- are? I thought you told me. One of them, uh, Tetris? Yes, that's one. And... The other one is, 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 is also pretty recent. In in, in terms of pack. in terms of, I'm sorry, <laughs> the bayonetta pack. No, yes, no. Um, um, no, uh, I, I would have. I mean, look, if I didn't, I didn't look. I would have said te- Tetris, and I would have probably been dumb without looking and said like one of the Mario Brothers games, like Super Mario Three or the original one on NES. 
<clears throat> but that doesn't add up because of population and install base. No, and the funny part is too is like like if you actually go back and look at NES numbers, like NES sold way way less than you actually think it did. Right. Um, but no, the other games, of course, Minecraft. Wow! Can but, you imagine being on that? <clears throat> can you imagine being on that list though with Minecraft sales wise? Yeah, and I mean, Minecraft is one of those things where I mean, like you know, GTA Five is one thing where you've got like hundreds of people working on it. Sure. Like Minecraft was literally like one guy doing that at first, you know, wow. like that's that's. But so my 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 point was is like you know there there was a time when you kind of had like MMOs, right? MMORPGs, right. where you could literally just sit there and just play it for for hours and hours and hours and have that be your one game. But that was always kind of you know relegated to the heavily pc and also subscription-based kind of gaming ideas <clears throat> right and and console games were, were still very disposable for the most part and so you would have people buy game playing it for a while and then getting the next one um but you're, you're we're now seeing this era where console gaming as well can be i'm spending 100 200 300 four hours with this one game so i it's it's crazy, I think, now to think about these kind of games you have to go up against, you know? So, like, a Metal Gear uh, Survive, like, that has to, even though they're not the same game, that has to compete with Fortnite and PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds and things like those. You know, just, just kind of in the similar style of gameplay, period. Right. So there's these options now out there that can last you, you know, infinite amounts of time that where does a game like this fit into those if it's not fantastic from the start? Yeah, I know. I don't know because I watched and my source on this would be the IGN video review I watched the other day. So because I just got done saying I don't own it, which I don't and I haven't played it firsthand. But from what I could see on the review, it's like, you know, you're exactly right. It's doing one thing, but it's like everything seemed to be very bland. It lacks the unique, the the personality and characters of previous Metal Gear games and stuff that love it or hate it gave it part of its identity but this game is you know just a grind and uh you know i don't want to fetch quest isn't the correct term but you know it does have multiplayer aspects but you know expect to be doing a lot of uh you know picking up loot and building and all of that type of stuff just over and over and over again but without any of the flavor of like you know even metal gear solid five you know prior to it so it's like stripped of all of its uh um you know uniqueness yeah, so I, like I said, like I think this could have been something, but just there's too much like sure question about it. Yeah, that I think most people aren't going to even bother. You know, right? What's the motivation? Yeah, but um, yeah, outside of that, uh, speaking um, of games and whatnot, and I threw the bayonetta joke out there, but recently, uh, you did you do the review for egmnow.com? We did a two person review. Um, okay. Where I re- I kind of so I played Bayonetta and my coworker played Bayonetta, Bayonetta two, okay. and then we did kind of a back and forth chat style review, talking about the overall package and the games and and how they played on the Switch and things like that. What did you think? This is something that I did pick up. I've only scratched the surface of. Uh, just as a side note, I have completed both titles in the past on different consoles. <clears throat> but what what did you think of? Uh, I mean, uh, it's, it's it's no secret that I hated the Wii U. Like, I literally, like, absolutely hated that console. Um right. And Bayonetta was one of the few reasons I ever had to get one. And as soon as the Switch got announced, it was like, I am certain that a lot of the Wii U games are going to be salvaged and put on Switch, you know? Yes. So I'm, I'm glad I never got one. And 
This was one that Big Gonzalez was waiting for, so we've got them now, and I'm very happy that we have them. They right. definitely do run better than on the Wii U, like, not perfect still, but um, they're, they feel way, like, I never felt like they belonged on the Wii U. Like, it didn't feel like a system that was meant for a game like that, whereas the Switch, I totally feel like they do belong. Um, my only hesitation in that is that I think, at least with Bayo 1, I don't think it feels great as a handheld game. Mm. Like this was one of the first games that really made me want to mostly play the Switch uh, docked. Oh, I see. Because I think with that kind of action and that kind of like timing and just the way the visuals are, like I don't think it works nearly as well on a smaller screen. Okay, Um, I see. So it's more it's more the visual, the screen you had issue with. Then I thought you might have been. Complaining about the button, like the cumbersome nature of no, the button. No, no, I, I for the most lot. part I didn't have any problem with the buttons. Okay, yeah, okay. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't think that the Joy Cons are perfect, but they right. were definitely better than like playing with that big bulky the, the ta- oh, Wii yeah. tablet thing. Yeah, it does suck that we don't have a, a physical version of Bayo One. You know, that's very disappointing, especially with all of the limited editions or first print run of titles we've seen in recent years here. Like it seems like they'll. They'll put anything and everything out for a limited edition to get another 10 or 20 bucks. So it's really disappointing that we didn't get a physical cart for the original Bayonetta. Yep, and and the the carts are too small to have them both on the same one. You know, because like, there's a problem that's going on right now with um, Switch cartridges. I did not know this. What's going on? So I think the pro- I don't I don't... I don't remember the exact sizing, and it might be a 32 versus 64 kind of problem. Um... But there's there's two different cartridge sizes, at least two. Like you're talking okay. like high end, there's two. Um, okay. Bigger sizes you can pick from for your, for your game. But going to like the higher level one is enough of an increase in cost that companies have been not doing that and going with wow. the, the next one down. Right. And that's why you've gotten so many Switch games where you have these like big day one downloads is because uh, you have to download the rest of the game wow hmm. and, and it's it's from i don't think it's a supply issue as much as the cost issue and that companies wow. just aren't wanting to put out that extra cost hmm. which well. is a shame so that's why we're getting a lot of this stuff where like you're gonna ha- you know you have to have these big kind of patches right from the get-go yeah i mean it's so commonplace now it's you know we've i've cried about this before but every time i turn on a system I feel like I'm spending half my game playing time that I have just sitting there waiting for updates. Yeah, day one stuff especially is, is terrible, you know, because you, you put the disc in and, like, you can't do anything. Yeah, my mindset now when I get a new title, if I do pop it in the first night, my mindset is that I'm just doing this to get it all set up so I can actually, like, touch it tomorrow night. Yeah. yeah. There is something to be said for, you know, remember when you were a kid, like, I, I don't know, like, you know, everybody's situation is different, but I remember going to a store and buying a new game and <clears throat> you know that car ride home you would like take out the manual and be looking yeah. through the entire manual and like reading Absolutely. over everything and then just that excitement for the moment you got home running in and putting it into your system and playing it right away right you know and that just doesn't <laughs> exist anymore unless I you're like on like, you know, like a 3ds it's something. dreadful now because because you know that update's coming yeah Speaking of games that we have seen before time and time again, and they keep milking us for more money, but uh, I will give them a credit. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus on PS4. They did a beautiful job with that. Uh, the 
I don't I don't think remaster is the correct term. This would be would you say remake? I would say remake, yeah. Yeah. Just uh just a beautiful up in visuals. Uh you know, overall scenery, draw distance, quality of textures, lighting, uh literally a laundry list from top to bottom, the you know, frame rate, improved controls. Uh they did a very nice job for that now, title. Now they also in doing that though they added in collectibles, and that's been a very kind of controversial addition with some people. Like, do you have any opinion at all about that? Um, While well, I'm not an expert on it, I'm assuming that are those collectibles primary? Are they uh, like the gold coins? Something like Stuff that, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah so, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess from a purist perspective, no, you know what? I guess from a purist perspective, I get it. It's like, why tamper with the original? Why would you do that? But, you know, we can, we can even bring up, well, maybe it's different, but I could even bring up Bayonetta. Well, if you've went through the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 version, you go through the game and then there's all the unlockables on multiple playthroughs and different outfits. But, you know, you could, I mean, maybe it's a bad analogy, but it's like, you know, could I make the argument that instead of collecting rings on the Nintendo versions, you know, it alters it to coins and you have the Samus suit, the princess suit, which, which I personally like. It's, I think it's a plus. But, I mean... I don't, maybe that's not the best uh, argument to make, but it's like, you know, you're technically tampering with what was the original release. And then I think the only other thing I can add to it that I don't have I don't have an answer to, you know, is this the type of stuff that was originally intended in the original version that they've gone back and put in because now they can fully realize it or had the time? Yeah, I don't think it was originally intended, but, you know, to be clear, there there were collectibles in the original game. There were what the, the lizards and then the apples, I think. Mm. You know, which you know, which which at least the apples, if I'm remembering correctly, those were the grip strength booster. Oh. Um, so you know, there there were collectibles. It's not like it's not like the game never had collectibles. Period, and they got added to it. But it is a kind of little extra layer that I don't know. Like I don't care personally because I think you can. You know what? You can just not get them. <laughs> and that's it. Well, and I think this this must be said too. You jogged my memory once again. Um, you know, this isn't some revelation, but you know how as time goes on, you forget certain things and just stuff escapes, like you don't think about it. But upon playing a bit of Shadow of the Colossus again, wow, I I was like, you know, X, Y, and Z was lifted from here and put into Breath of the Wild. Mm, yeah. You know, like with the climbing mechanic, the grip. I'm not saying no game ever never had grip meter or certain elements like that, but when playing it and certain aspects, you know, the like, I was like, wow, you know, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like Nintendo has well hasn't. I don't know if it was Miyamoto, but hasn't Nintendo even gone on record saying like when looking at other games out there, you know, they're always very critical. Like you know, they feel like a lot of games is just like you know shooting or using guns or not very you know not very. Uh, uh, thought-provoking, but I, I want to say I even remember them always praising Fumito Ueda's work, like an eco in Shadow of the Colossus. I don't remember that. I don't remember reading that, but I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me because I, I yeah. feel like that's one of the, that's, yeah, that's one of the kind of game creators outside of Nintendo that they would actually say that about. Yes. Because I, I know they can be very critical, yeah, about other people's work. So Yeah. But, um, and beyond that, uh, kind of, uh, we're all, we've been dogging this company for months, but uh, I guess we, I've got something nice to say finally. Have you dabbled any in Monster Hunter World for 
Xbox One or PS4? I, I haven't. Like, I have a copy sitting here, like, waiting for me to have time for it. Um, But, yeah, I am so happy. Like, I, I love Capcom, and I won't not love Capcom. And, and you know, I had such a fun time with them in the PS3 era, um, Xbox 360 era, you know. And, like, they had just a ton of, like, great little games um, come out. But it's, they've had, like, a rough, you know, right. batch of years. And it's so nice, I think, to see one of their games come out and not only be a hit, but be a hit way more than I think even they were expecting. Right. Yeah, and the visual leap is quite jarring because, as many people know, many of the recent iterations installments in that game were on handheld. Now, on another note, the game technically did start out as a console game all the way back on PlayStation 2. But having not seen a, con- a true, excluding like that Asian online version a few years ago, you know, excluding that, you know, this is really the first time we've seen a true Monster Hunter back on console in, in many, many years. And I'm not saying it's like the greatest looking game I've seen out there, you know, tech-wise. But like when you, when you go from playing the other Monster Hunters on 3DS and PlayStation Portable, and then you go to this, it's it's like, wow. But I, I think it was one of those, those franchises that could have been bigger in the West had they done this before, you know? Right. And it was just a case of... Just Western markets aren't really good for for handheld gaming in terms mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and so it it was one of those series that was just waiting to be on console again, right? You know, and that this could happen, and so I wasn't surprised that it happened. You know, I was glad that it did, but like I I I did feel like it was the kind of game that could have been much bigger if it was on a proper console versus being handheld. Yes, and I will admit, I won't backpedal. Uh, I was actually worried about the console release, uh, specifically in the West, because I'm like, are people actually going to pick this up? You know, no matter how good it is, right? you know, with the game being, um, you know, on portable and it never just really clicking here, I'm like, you know, is anyone going to really care? And I think it went on, I don't have the stat in front of me, but is it like the fastest selling Capcom title? I think it might be. It's crazy. Yeah. I know it shipped at least shipped or, or through five million. Or yeah, it's between five. That and was seven the last time I remember seeing. So yeah, it's uh, it's coming up on GTA Five. Oh and- yeah, yeah. <laughs> if if Capcom would, yeah, I mean, can you imagine what Capcom would do if they got <laughs> GTA Five kind of numbers for this game? And I know, you know, since we're gushing over Capcom here, you know, we can't keep that up too long. I know the thing that's got you most excited recently is the release of Blanca. In oh Street Fighter Five, trash, complete trash. <laughs> but no, you know, real quick. I mean, like Capcom had a pretty good year <laughs> last year. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, obviously we had the terrible, um, not terrible, but just well, the 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 poorly. I don't know even what to say about it, but but Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, you know, oh. it just didn't work out. But you had RE Seven come out and completely yep. reignite interest in that series even though sure. i don't like that game at all i i played it and i do not <laughs> yeah. like it um you had monster just, Hunter come out yep and then now you've kind of got street fighter 5 kind of finally in the position that it needs to be in right you know so it wasn't like that bad of a year for capcom mm-hmm. finally thankfully hey i, I have a kind of a weird one for you here due to the popularity with today's generation and social networking of like memes and spreading stupid, silly stuff, which which Metal Gear Solid Two predicted, right? Uh, 
I have gone. You're, you're you're really digging deep in my memory banks. I can't say that I remember that because there was so much stuff in there. Yes. But uh, do you think that's? And I think this was a clever move. Do you think that's why they did what they did with the story outfit for Blanca with that uh, plushy looking outfit? Um, I don't. I, I don't was, know if that's. Uh, I, I don't know it was if that's, really smart. that comes from that or just comes from Ono's just complete weirdness of loving Blanca or, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, I do legitimately think that's one of the best costumes in the game. Right. That is just a fantastic and amazing costume. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I, cause I, well, I, I know, I think part of where, you, where you're coming from, from this is I know I saw Capcom like trying to make it a meme on Twitter mm. Yeah, they, they posted up kind of like the the cut out version of that, so you could place it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And typically, like when companies try to make something a meme, it doesn't work out very well. Yeah, it has it has to happen naturally. Yeah, it has to be kind of an organic thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I that's a good question. Like I don't know if that was their intention. It could have been, but I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. But uh, have you been? Have you still been uh, messing around with uh, SF Five? I mean, I, I did I did sit down to play it, of course, for reviewing um, Arcade Edition. And uh-huh. it's one of those games I keep meaning to get back to. But, you know, I'd, I'd gotten kind of sidetracked from Street Fighter because of Overwatch. And then now with having children, like, I haven't been playing any... The only game, like, I've been playing seriously at all is this stupid Sky Force Reloaded on Switch. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. But otherwise, it's just, like, it's it's hard it's hard for me to sit down and play online gaming right now because I... It could be just without warning that I have to get up and take care of something, you know, right? Baby wise, so right. I haven't had much time for actually online gaming recently, which which mm. I feel bad about. The one thing I wanted to do, but I was way too lazy, is I wanted to pop Overwatch back in, and I I really wanted that Starcraft Ghost outfit. Oh yeah, you didn't happen to acquire that, did you? No, and I can't remember. Is that? I think that's one of the normal loot boxes. So I, okay. I think that you're okay in the fact that you can get that anytime. Okay. The following conversation contains spoilers for Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Please skip to one hour, two minutes, and twenty-one seconds to avoid them. You know, it's been so long. I don't know. I, we'll get back to video games here, and we don't have to stay on this topic very long. You know, because it's been so long since we recorded. Did you wind up? Going to see Star Wars The Last Jedi in theaters back in December? I did. What'd you think? Um you know, it it's um it it is I'm 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 mixed and I I've only seen it once to be fair. Same here. Um I really liked Force Awakens. I really liked Force Awakens. And you know, for, for somebody, you know, I was um I was a a baby myself when I first went to see the original Star Wars, and Star Wars meant a, a whole lot to me growing up. One of my favorite, you know, movie franchises ever. Um, and I hated the prequels. Like, it, like I think I tolerated them at first, and then like just the more time went on, like I just hated them more and more. Mm-hmm. So, Force Awakens was a really, really big deal to me in that I I loved the characters. I enjoyed the story and it it made up for all of those years of just terrible prequelness and got kind of Star Wars back to where I wanted it to be. Right. Uh, but I, I I do think Force Awakens was kind of a mistake, but you know, not for the reasons of kind of like annoying the fanboys, which which has been one of the topics to come out about it, you know. It it's not that, it just it 
didn't feel as focused as I wanted to feel. And it didn't feel like a whole lot happened, you know? And and the things that did happen, like, didn't happen the way I wanted to, you know? Because, like, of course, we all wanted to see, you know, Ray's training, right? Like, more mm-hmm. of her actually training. And I do appreciate on some level the fact that they wanted to not just do the things you were expecting, you know? Right, but then you can't you can't go and do a one eighty or just do change for change's sake to yeah, fake the but, yeah. So, but yeah. you know, you 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 did like you did want to see race training, and and if nothing else, everybody wanted to see badass Luke at least once. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to see that, and I think at a certain point, when you say we're definitely not going to give people anything they wanted, you know, like I think you can go too far in that, and. The argument might be that we kind of saw Badass Luke at the end, but it wasn't really him, you know? And so that kind of lost that's a little right, weight. That's right, yes, that's correct. You're right. yeah. spo- I'm sorry, spoilers for anybody no, who yeah. hasn't seen it. Uh, but that won't make much sense to you now, I guess, hopefully. Um, so, you know, like, I, I think there was... You you want to give a little bit of fan service to people. Like, mm. I, I do think Force Awakens had too much of it. Absolutely. But you need to give some, you know, you need to to please fans in some ways. And I think it it tried too much to not do that. And then I also think just certain things like the the running away in space, which went on way too long and felt pointless. And then going to the casino planet felt pointless. That was, what would you say? That was kind of this movie's cantina? It was supposed to be, but it, it, but the cantina was like, you know, like what, like a five minute thing total? Yeah. And it was just a little kind of event thing that happened, whereas mm-hmm. just the casino planet just felt like it didn't go anywhere, and like it didn't it didn't mean any like at, at, when that thing was when that was over and done, it didn't feel like it meant anything to the story, right? And just there were too many things where like okay the the commander I forgot her name you know Laura Dern um like if she had just told people what she was doing you know like none of that would have happened. So it it just kind of felt it felt like it was kind of just wandering around without really knowing where it was supposed to be going, and I I don't I don't understand what the third movie is now going to be. Yeah, I don't either because so obviously it goes back to J.J. Abrams and uh, the the director of Episode Eight is right now escaping me. Uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Johnson. Okay, thank you. So yeah. I went to Ryan Johnson's Twitter. I don't follow him, but at the time when everything was fresh in my head, I went there to get my jollies and look at all the death threats and the Star Wars fans that want to <laughs> slice his throat. But, um, you know, I got to tell you, look, as a moviegoer, just going in casually, I would say, you know, I would, I'd say the movie was middle of the road, not saying I'd never watch it again. I'll pick it up when it comes out at home. But if I, if I had to put a number on it, six. Mm. five or six yeah i i don't but then i watched online after i saw it watching a dissection of the movie and certain lot log, you know logistics Whew. i mean back to what you're just saying like i don't want to sound like an idiot but like if you're working on the star wars trilogy and then you know you got jj abrams and johnson and abrams you know let's say i okay let's say you did episode seven and you did this killer job bringing it back on track and then i step in with episode eight spoilers here for the next 15 seconds you know and then you're doing everything from killing snow to luke potentially being gone and now you have this whole conundrum with princess leia who in real life is 
deceased. And like, yeah. it's almost like you gambled on this character that how are you going to pull this miracle? So I do all these things, these things and the spoilers. And like on one aspect, I'm like, wouldn't you think I'd be getting together with you? It's not my job. But wouldn't I be like, hey, you know, you know, Molly, with your direction of the previous Star Wars film, this is what I'm thinking. And to give you a heads up. But it's like when you get that ball back in your court, what do you do? Yeah. Am I right? I mean, like, I mean, does does J.J. Abrams sit at home and not know it? Like, does he see the movie like everyone else? And he's like, oh, like, oh my God, like, it's like literally turned upside down. And like, this is going to be a humongous challenge. It, it, episode two is all a dream. You know, that's what you do. Well, you know what? <laughs> you know what's funny? It is so lame. But I'm thinking, I honestly, it crossed my mind. I'm like, do you pull a really dumb card of like, you somehow explain that that isn't like the 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 continuity of it or you know it doesn't exist within the real unit star wars universe or whatever and you and you you treat it like it didn't happen well i here's here's the part here's part of the problem is like it didn't it almost didn't happen and let me explain what that means um <clears throat> when the first movie ended you know okay we had Ray in a place where she's she's starting to kind of discover that she's got these abilities that she didn't understand mm-hmm. and know about she right. wants to know who she is and and she she wants to know her place in the world right that's where Ray's at the end. We have Finn, who has escaped the the First Order. He used to be a, a, a stormtrooper, and now he's trying to to be a good guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And and those two characters alone, you're like, okay, where are they going to go to next? Like, like, what is their advancement going to be? Like, you know, is is Ray or like Kylo Ren too? You know, like Kylo Ren wanted to be Darth Vader. He wanted to be this big bad guy, and now he's been bested by this this girl who barely knows how to use the force and so what is what is his advancement so you had at least three characters who had places where you wanted to see what happened to them next right but i think coming out of of last jedi like those three characters are almost still in the exact same positions you know like like kylo ren has is now in a bit of a different position because of what's happened with snoke and everything but Mm -hmm. he's not too far off from where he was you know there was we just can't not do spoilers to some level and i'm sorry but there was a fantastic scene in 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 last jedi um with them in the kind of the throne room and that was an amazing scene like i love that scene yes but that scene is setting up for something that then totally doesn't happen you know that's Mm -hmm. setting both ray and kylo ren up for for position switches or at least you know, are they going to be a team? Are they like, what's going to happen? You know, and like nothing comes of that. You you have, uh, you know, Finn, who is now dealing with being kind of a good guy, and he feels like he advanced none in the second second movie. I don't you know? like the way he was handled in. Yeah, because yeah, you have like you have him handled. go and you have him face Phasma, a character who was horribly underutilized. Everybody wanted to see more of her. And you have him face Phasma, and you have him, like, meet Stormtroopers again. And there's so many things you could have done with that character in terms of him trying to convince others to, to join the the Resistance, you know. Him kind of, like, is he torn about the position he's in now, you know? Like, does he have second thoughts about it? Does does he try to, you know, go back into the, the First Order and get them from the inside? There's, like, a lot of things that could happen, and that's not used at all. Like right. Phasma again is barely in the movie. There's there's no real like he could have just been an anybody, you know. Like it was a super interesting idea that he was this stormtrooper who's now a good guy. Sure. 
but there's no connection shown about that and everything. So I think you, you get to the end of The Last Jedi, and there's been, it feels like there's been no forward movement. You know, versus Empire, where the people where they were at the beginning, they're in completely different positions at the ending, you mm -hmm. know? And you're once again saying, okay, where are they going to go to next? Like, how is this going to resolve itself? Whereas Jedi, I feel like, like, you know, they're, okay, the Resistance is still just hiding out, right? Kylo Ren's still at, in a part of the First Order fighting people. Uh, Rey's still trained to be a Jedi, I guess. You know, like, Finn is still trying to figure out who he's supposed to be. Like, like what have... What advancement have they made through an entire movie? Yeah, well, I don't like this isn't directly on track with what you're saying, uh, you know, in a, in a, you know, much more deeply. But well, I can't remember the character's name that Finn uh, Rose. falling in love with is wrong. The forced relationship, friendship. Yeah. I felt I felt it was very forced. What was her Rose. name? Rose. Rose. Okay. Yeah. What I didn't like, and I'm not look. I'm no expert, and I'm an action movie junkie, so I am not one to grade acting abilities. And Star Wars isn't known for like Academy Award, you know, or Oscar performances or whatever. But I felt the uh, spoiler. I felt the part where she dies at that scene towards the end. Like I'm like God. I mean, it might as well have been like a Bugs Bunny performance. Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Who are you talking about? Because Rose doesn't die. No, the one. Who's the one? Um, the Laura Dern. Yeah, the one. Yeah, the, she has like a. The, the, yeah, you wait, know wait, wait, the lady who takes over for Princess Leia. No, 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 no. Rose, the, the, one... the Asian girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. She doesn't die. Yeah. On the, no, the... she doesn't. Am I nuts? No, because she stops. She stops Finn from dying. Yeah, because because Finn's gonna sacrifice himself, stop the laser. Yes. She stops him from dying. And then she's like, "Oh my God, Finn, I love you. Don't die." And that's, that's, yeah. that's their position at the end. Well, I have to. Why I can't believe no, that. I thought no, she did not because I thought it was a Bugs Bunny performance. Because I'm sitting there in the theater and like the way she went. So what was it like? Am I just totally vision, like making this up in my head? She didn't like. No. Did she like pass out or anything? No, no, I don't think so. I have to go. I have to go now. I'm not going to do it right like, now. Okay, she she might have passed out. I don't remember, but from my memory, like I I do not remember at all her dying because I think she's in the next one. So. Oh my god! I have to look this up. I can't. I'm pretty it. certain. Like now, you're making me question my memory of the movie. Yeah, because I mean, I, at least I have the scene right. It's at the end where uh, they're just unloading all the firepower on Luke yeah. Skywalker and all that. Yeah, I thought there was. Yeah, a and part then she's like, she's like, no, it's the power of love. Don't sacrifice yourself. And it's just like, wow. But okay, that was gonna be like Finn's heroic moment, and she stops him from being a hero. So mm. good job, Rose. The other thing I thought, and this is nitpicking, I thought was kind of silly. I know it was like for a laugh, but what did you think uh, of the part where Chewie cooked up one of those? Uh... That was like one of the least offensive things to me in the movie, so I didn't, I, I didn't care. And but... I'm not, and I'm not like sitting here like, oh my god, it was so offensive, or like I can't believe they did that to such a cute creature. But I just thought it was like trying so hard. I thought it was kind of well. I, I think, stupid. I think, kind of what you're touching on is that there, it felt like there was more comedy in the movie, right? Which. Which, like, it's funny because if you go back to Force Awakens, there's a ton of comedy in that movie. But it's done in a different way. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think, you know, because one of the, I think one of the biggest controversial moments in this movie, of course, is Luke throwing the lightsaber. And, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that yes. didn't bother yes. me. But, like, I can understand why that bothered people. And it did feel, it did feel kind of out of place. Unless, I mean, in part, unless you know, like, what was leading up to that, because if you look at the novelization, there's, 
there it's basically talking about the fact that Luke is at a point where he was thinking about just killing himself because he felt like he he had no more value to this to the world that he should be the one to kind of end the Jedi's and everything and that the the idea is that he was probably in the ceremonial Jedi robes because he was going walking up to that cliff to kill himself hmm. you know he was going to like end the Jedi forever um and so Ray comes in just at that moment so you know, like, you lose a little bit of something not having the novelization details that have come out now, but it did it did feel weird. Um, and going back to something you were saying a few minutes ago, I think one of the biggest problems with this movie, at least to me, was that, from my understanding, like, Disney didn't say this is the overall plan for these three movies. This is the start, this is the middle, this is the end. Right. You know, they kind of let the directors and the, and the writers kind of take things where they wanted to take them and that was a huge mistake i think is the the three movie beats should have all been planned out right because now it's it's running into the issue we just got done discussing like with one director for another it's uh, you know i actually uh, and by the way you you were right once again i'll give you credit here in a second but a thought that i did have after seeing the movie and you tell me if i'm nuts due to the yeah, I know this goes against the whole Star Wars lore, but I think I'm saying this because at this point it's like doesn't matter because they've busted it so much. Do you think they should – I think they should treat the Star Wars movies like this now. Each respective Star Wars movie should be treated like a new Final Fantasy where they don't connect in terms of – where you don't have to play Final Fantasy 1, 2, or 3 to play 4. Like each one stands alone with the obvious exceptions of – X2 and then 13-2 and 13-3, which is a totally different ball game. But each respect to Final Fantasy, there's certain you know common elements, but every right. story is completely separate. I kind of think that's where Star Wars needs to be. I kind of like I, – I, I don't think I want that, which, I mean, to be fair, that's what they're doing with all the other year Star Wars movies now that we're getting one a year. You know? Mm-hmm. You're going to have like Solo next and you have yeah. <clears throat> Rogue One and stuff. And uh, uh, Yeah. But I think the problem is like is you know if I come out of – force awakens with no more movies i would have hated it because i want to see those characters advance and 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 what happens to them so i think i i think i prefer the idea of you have trilogies you know and then you have in the off years you have those solo movies where you don't have to have any kind of connection right but i mean like like rogue one like i didn't like rogue one i mean it's fine but like i i thought you loved it no 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 it it, it doesn't really feel star warsy to me too huh. much. Um, I must be doing this show drunk. Yep. Yeah, I think you are. Yes. I thought. I thought. I thought you were really big on that because nope, that's that the one you me. said. <laughs> that was the other podcast host you do podcasts with. I guess. No, th- weren't these your words? Uh, it's the it's the Star Wars movie. Like you didn't know you wanted. I've never said that. Like literally, the only thing I liked about it was that that robot. The smart ass robot. No, hold on, wait a minute. G- GVG. Okay, and just to make sure I'm not totally. Rogue One was the one that came out last holiday. Yeah. Yeah, the one, the female lead. Yes. And it leads up to episode four. Yes. Okay, so GVGP fans who, if, if, because I don't have the time, correct me if I'm wrong. I know my, and look, if Molly went and saw the movie and didn't like it, that's totally. You know, if if it's like, look, I've done this with video games where I'm like, oh my god, this video game, I can't wait for it, and then I get it, and I'm like, oh my god, this isn't what I expected. Or please, someone tell me that that quote. I know I didn't make that up. That Molly felt, whether it be uh, that 
this was the Star Wars movie that nobody asked for, but after seeing the trailer, you wanted to see it, and then it specifically, you also love the shot of the X-Wings going over the water. That's, that's Force Awakens. The X-Wings going over the water is Force Awakens. <laughs> I know. Okay. I, I, yeah. What I may have said, and I don't, even, I don't even know if I've said this, but what I may have said is that watching the trailers... Like, before the movie came out, maybe watching yeah. the trailers was like, I didn't think I wanted this, but I'm kind of curious to see it. Right. Like, I still thought, like, I didn't think this was something that we ever needed to have. It's, you know, it's like the whole Clone Wars thing. Like, we never needed to see the Clone Wars. Like, that didn't matter. It was just a, a point, you know, that kind of built the, the, you know, the world building that we didn't really need ex- explanation to. We never needed to see how they got Death Star plans. And so... I may have said that the trailers I mean, were kind of interesting, so now I didn't think I wanted to see it, but now I did. Right. But I definitely coming out of it like I was not. I think maybe part of the dis- the disconnect here for me, besides my my brain, which is shot. I think maybe the aspect is we never followed up. Maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think, yeah, I think because I sure. think we discussed the trailers and stuff, and I know we've gotten into Star Wars conversations on here at least once, but we must not have followed up on after actually seeing that movie. Mm. Yeah, that's probably. But but you are correct. So I'm going to backpedal here. I thought she was dead. And here's a quote from Wikipedia in regards to this story aspect. This is in regards to Rose. In The Last Jedi. Badly injured, Rose tells Finn that they had to fight for what they love before kissing him and falling unconscious. Okay, yes, yes. From her injuries. Yeah. So. Yeah, she did, she did not die. She was just asleep. Kind of stinks for me because I was actually hoping that character was done. I mean, but. like, I, you know, I, I just think I just think that the, the movie just didn't do. Like, I don't know. Like I said, like, you know, in talking about this, like, uh, one of the big things, for example, is. You know, when JJ comes back in, does does Ray's parents matter? Do Ray's parents matter again now? You know, yeah, that's, yeah. because we could say, oh, by the way, Kylo lied to you. You know, your parents were somebody. Like that's the problem. Is is you know we're talking about kind of the the last Jedi kind of. I don't think retcons is the right word, but it's you know the Force Awakens. And again, this is going back to the problem of like why planning. You need planning. The Force Awakens sets all these things up. And then Last Jedi comes in and is like, oh yeah, that wasn't important. And this wasn't important. You know, Snoke wasn't a big deal. And Ray's parents weren't a big deal. And this wasn't a big deal. And Luke's old lightsaber wasn't a big deal, you know? Right. And you do all this. And then so like, like, it would be horrible. It would be horrible. But I could literally see like the next movie being like, that Snoke was a clone. And Ray's parents are important, you know, right. and and that lightsaber was a fake one or, you know, like, I mean, it just like I would hate them to do that. But I think we're almost at the point where maybe that would be the best thing to do, you know, like just kind of consider the second movie to be a wash, which right. is horrible with one of the biggest right. franchises in existence. Like Disney, how did you let that happen? You know, right. So as much as I can't believe I'm saying this, like I hope Disney takes more control going forward. Yeah. Like, at least, you know, they need that Marvel situation, right? Marvel has as Kevin Kevin Feige, you know, and I don't know if anybody else, but he they have at least him, somebody who's like, I am planning all this crap out. We are having this big, gigantic book that says everything is happening and why it happened and how it connects to other things, you know. Like, I think you have to have that. I think you have to have that planning 
where everything makes sense because the said the fact that we can get into a position with Star Wars where this happened like never should have happened. Right. And Kathleen Kennedy or somebody should have should have been there to be like I am making the rules for how things go from here, <laughs> you know, give me your ideas mm-hmm. and we'll plan them out and we'll have you have to know, I mean, like, if you're making a trilogy, like, okay, Star Wars, obviously, when they first made Star Wars, and I'm sorry we're talking about Star Wars so much, but I love Star Wars, and I can't shut up about it. When they made the first Star Wars, like, I don't care what Lucas says, he only had plans for one movie. That was it. Because mm-hmm. it had beginning, middle, and end. It didn't need to go any further than that. Like, the first movie was a singular movie, you know. And then all of a sudden, it's like, Star Wars is popular, and it's like, crap, let's make it a trilogy, right? But at that point... The trilogy was planned out, you know, like he might not have written the entire thing at that point, but he knew where it was going, right? He had at least some semblance of knowledge of where this was going to lead to, you know, it leads to Luke Skywalker facing Darth Vader, you know, and resolving the kind of Skywalker bloodline. Like, I know a lot of details may have changed in that process, but you at least know where you were trying to get to. Like, I don't, I feel like with this new trilogy, like, they didn't know what the end point was. And you have to know what that end point sure, is. Sure, you have to know, yeah, you have to know where you're going. Even if you change how you get there all along the way, that's fine, but you have to know where you're ending. This is completely off the wall, but I think there was a similar issue, and it's still not done, but I think there was a similar issue with the hugely popular manga and anime uh Attack on Titan, where I don't think it was expected to be the hit that it was, and I don't think they yeah. had the full, yeah... Well, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff gets, like, just, just, that kind of stuff gets really, I mean, because you have things in, like, Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if you've ever seen the beginning of Yu-Gi-Oh, it wasn't about card battles. It wasn't about that stuff. It was a totally different series. If you look at Dragon Ball, guess what? Dragon Ball Z isn't what Dragon Ball was. Dragon Ball itself was a very different kind of, of series, you know? So you have these things that change completely over time which is okay for like something that's long running like that. But if you have a trilogy, which is always thought of as being the beginning, middle and end, like you have to know how that's going to go. Right. Because like, you know, like we're kind of saying is is at this point, some people feel like the second movie was just wasted now. Right. And do we do a third movie that now has to deal with all the repercussions of the second movie? Or do we do a reset on certain things? And if we do, then we've wasted like one of the three chapters. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. But I will say on this topic, I still will see Solo. And it is an interesting uh, also to note, I think an, yet another trilogy will be made, but directed by the guy behind Game of Thrones. Mm, I know I Ryan, thought, Ryan Johnson, the one who made uh, Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. And he's getting, yeah. And he's he, that's trilogy. right. And he's getting a trilogy too. Yeah. Which reading the comments on that was also quite a, a fun evening. Yes. But. Um, uh, you know what? I. I think the one thing I care about at this point in terms of like side stories is, and we don't need it at all. We absolutely don't need it, but it would be neat to see Ewan McGregor get a proper chance at playing Obi-Wan. So you could do something neat with an Obi-Wan movie, but I don't even know that we need that. Like, I don't know. Like all this side stuff, I just don't care. Because it's like, yeah. so like, like we like, who cares how Han Solo became Han Solo, right? You know, what we care about is when we met him at that point and who he was from then. You know, said so right. we never needed to see the Clone Wars. We never needed to see 
how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. You you could have absolutely done that in an interesting way, which George didn't, but we didn't really need to see it. You know, there's a lot of certain things. Like, we didn't need to see how the plans for Death Star got there, you know. We didn't need to see how Lando Calrissian became in charge of Cloud City. We didn't need to see how Han got ownership of the Millennium Falcon. All it needed to be is one line, you know, saying, I want from her. I want her from you. You know, like, that's all you needed to kind of create in people's minds, like, what happened. I think that that, that imagination of, of each viewer of what, how those things happened is much more powerful than making movies explaining everything. <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad we got uh, uh, got the Star Wars stuff off our chest because it is something I was meaning to talk with you about. Uh, we will certainly, if, if fans don't mind the ner- extra nerdy Star Wars talk, <laughs> uh, we will follow up this spring with uh, Solo. Uh, and beyond that, uh, we are now approaching. Uh, we're just over the one hour mark. Um, believe it or not, we're going to be. We'll wrap up shortly, if that's okay. There's a couple things I wanted to. Uh, two things I wanted to get out there before we wrap up today's episode. It's it's kind of good, just kind of getting back into the swing of things, finding our groove again. Uh, and then uh, I don't want to be rude before when I'm done uh, uh, running my mouth. Uh, I'll have Molly say, you know, any last piece that's on her mind for episode 33. Uh, there's two, there's two plugs I'm going to do here. Uh, one of them is for on behalf of my former podcasting co-host, uh, who I keep in touch with. Uh, that being Neil Bauer of Double Plus Good Games. Kind of big, exciting news for him recently. Recently, there was the first Double Plus Good Games published indie title, which has wow. taken place this past week. That being a title called I Hope. And this following. Oh, really? Quote, that was that was that was he had a hand yeah. in that. Wow. So I, this quote is from uh, a lady named Seriously Clara on Twitter. Uh, I don't know her. Uh, it's Clara Sia. That's C L A R A S I A, and uh, she has a nice little quote here from February twenty fourth, saying, "I'll be playing I Hope tonight from Double Plus Games at Game Changer Org," and she goes on to say, "I hope." is a beautiful coming-of-age adventure story about a young girl named Hope whose town has been taken over by cancer. So this title can uh, be picked up currently at Steam. I believe there's links at Amazon, uh, at Indie Amplifier, if I'm not mistaken. And then if it hasn't gone up already, if it's not up there, I I look for it as of this week. I'm not going to lie. I didn't see it. But it should be up on Xbox One now as well, if not any day. So one last time, that's I Hope. Brand new indie title published by Double Plus Good Games. You can find uh, Neil on Twitter at Double Plus Games. I haven't said that one in a while. So that's D-O-U-B-L-E-P-L-U-S-G-A-M-E-S on Twitter. Uh, Moving along to the next big plug I have. And this really caught me out of nowhere because this is something that uh, I knew was coming and I had to keep secret. And then ironically, I didn't actually find out when it actually hit. So also, as of a couple days ago, uh, February 21st, officially, the untold history of Japanese game developers, Ah. Volume 3, has become a reality. And there's a few interesting things in this, about this. Not only is it the last of this epic uh, trilogy of books with information that you won't find anywhere else. Uh, I'm going to butcher his last name, but I'm going to make believe I know how to spell it. All done by John Setspanyak. Um, my old nemesis. Yes, yeah. <laughs> because of his name. So the 
first off, we'll start with the cover done by Terry Wolfinger. Ooh. So awesome cover there. Uh, And a lot of the reason for that, uh, the reason Terry was picked for this cover, if I remember correctly, is because John, um, obviously a lover of Japanese gaming, you know, Japanese gaming historian, wanted to do this for years. But the big thing is a lot of his influence, and even though he's European, I believe he's originally of the UK. So he's not an American, but the, the irony is that one of his big influences in getting into uh, Japanese gaming and pop culture was Game Fan Magazine. Yeah. So that's kind of crazy because we're always talking till we're blue in the face about Game Fan, and it's kind of like if you didn't live through it, it's like, is this all bullcrap? But Untold History, Japanese Game Developers 3, now available on Amazon. It's under 30 bucks. It's the final volume cover by Terry Wolfinger. Also... I, I only know this because I had to do some of the proofing. I haven't seen it in the final copy. I know our names are in there. Molly and myself, Anthony, for Generic Video Game Podcast. Oh. I, know we're, I know we're in there in the Terry Wolfinger interview that's also in there. Uh, and here's some other tidbits available exclusively through Amazon. Uh, here are some of the contents. I won't read the whole thing as I won't bore everyone for a half hour. There are three forewords for volume three, one by Darren Jones. And if I, I'm going off memory, I didn't look this up. I believe he's the main person uh, with Retro Gamer magazine out of the United Kingdom, which I read regularly. Kurt Kalata, who I think does HG 101 work. And warning a huge podcast, Game Fan Magazine's very own Casey Lowe. Wow. So, um, uh, another thing that's exciting for me and here, one of the interviews I'm personally looking forward to the most is uh, some content and interviews in correlation to Technosoft. But this, uh, I'll just do the bullet points and close out with the bullet points. Uh, I will read this sentence. The third and final volume of the untold history of Japanese game developers is complete. It's 423 pages and features over 35 interviewees. So, uh, also, I want to give a side shout out to someone that, while not involved in this book, I saw it on this person's Twitter feed. Longtime uh, Morning Project listener, Neo East. So, Neo East put up the photo yesterday, and it really caught me off guard because I'm like, "How the hell did I not see this?" So, thank you for that heads up. And I've gone and ordered a copy for myself. Uh, if for some reason I'm able to get any freebies or comped copies, I'll definitely let you know and try to get you one as well. He's done some amazing work with interviews. My favorite thing to do is is interviews. Like that's always been my my absolute favorite thing in kind of terms of gaming media. And over the years, like I've had the chance to to interview some really big people, some awesome people, some interesting people. And if I had to pick one specific thing to do, even beyond like reviews or anything, like that would be the one thing I would be doing is just interviews. Because I think if you're good at them, like you can have some really, really fun and interesting conversations with developers. And and I, I think it's it's definitely an art getting people to open up. Mm-hmm. especially Japanese devs. Like, Japanese devs are so hard to interview um, if they're of any kind of size in terms of, of, of publisher or developer. Um, but if you can figure out those ways to make them talk, like, it's a fun time. Yeah, so this, I mean, and I can't stress this enough. I don't know John personally. I am connected to him on some social media, but we don't interact. It's, you know, I know him. It's Obviously, everything is cordial, but I've never, like, gotten into a conversation with this person. But from some tidbits that I've read in the past and some stuff that I've seen him kind of blog about, uh, you know, never say never, but, like, this is it. Like, this this project for him is done. 
he couldn't wait to wrap it up. You know, he's very passionate about it. And I think on a personal level for personal satisfaction and goals, he's happy he did it. But, and I'm paraphrasing, but you know, this isn't something, it wasn't done for the money, but it's also something simultaneously that certainly did not make him rich. As a matter of fact, if I had, and this is just me talking myself, if I had a guess, I bet you he lost money on this whole thing. I, I would, I would bet that, yes. Which is, which is really sad because you know timing is everything, and for people like you and I, this is amazing content to have. These three books, you figure that's well over a thousand pages of content in the last couple of years. You never look unless like, I could see something like this happening maybe again, but in Japan for the Japanese. That's my, you know, like right. I could see maybe a, a, a pet project like that. But like in terms of the United States, we're trying to dig all this information out from that era because we're all getting older. Some people have passed away. Some people have nothing to do with that industry anymore. I mean, this is really, this is it. Like I said, you'd never see anything like this again, but it's true. As a matter of fact, I know there's some other projects out there in a wild unrelated to this where I think some of the content gets used with permission and sold off for other uh, compilation books and I'm, I don't have any specifics but I know like stuff for some Super Nintendo projects I've seen or Mega Drive like content is getting pulled and purchased from this because it's so unique and um, and I'm sure you know he probably will take the couple bucks for it because like we said he probably lost money so this is a passion project and for anyone into Japanese gaming don't miss these books for about 25 bucks a piece to own physically you can get them on Kindle as well much cheaper but for 25 bucks a pop to add them to your collection this is it. It's done. I, I, I will say that, like, going digital route isn't necessarily a bad thing because they are, like, gigantic books, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it might be easier to have them digitally, but there is something, like, kind of wonderfully tangible about having a physical copy of them. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like he put so much work into this, and people don't understand that even, even like, a 15-minute interview, like, you don't know how much work goes into yes. putting that up on a screen because – like I've done transcription, which is where you're kind of you know like listening to the audio and, and writing out what's being said. Like you're looking at at least three to four minutes of work for every one minute of audio. So you know even a 15 minute interview can turn into an hour plus endeavor when you then also have to do editing and proofreading and and formatting and things like that. So yes. I I can't. Um, I mean he had to have farmed out a lot of the transcription because that would make me want to shoot myself yeah and i think some of the trans that much and i don't and, know if and, it and, hap- and, and, and i'm sorry i'm sorry to say above you no you're then, fine then the, tra- the translation not even just the transcription yeah. but the translation like that's that's uh, that is such a huge undertaking it's hell I'm glad he did it and not me because I'm lazy this is like the type of project i would have always dreamt of and wanted to do myself but i'm too lazy I mean, uh, uh, kudos to him, and I've bought multiple copies of the previous volumes as gifts, and for myself, I even went above and beyond and ordered uh, a volume two. They had a color option, so I have that one in color and black and white. Um, But yeah, I mean, so I've shown my support in that way by not, you know, it's certainly not pirated, and I've put my money where my mouth is and purchased multiple copies. But God bless the the people involved in this project because while it's something sitting down at home, I'm like, God, I wish I could do something like this. This would be so awesome. Too damn lazy for all the reasons that that Molly just uh, listed. I mean, it is just it is just a uh, a work of love, and will will probably make you go crazy over the span of months and months because I bet you a lot of the content in there probably now dates back to summer fall of 2013. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because what happened was like you're saying, like when you, you gave an example of a 15 minute interview, we're talking these are like hours a piece. So when he laid it all out, 
you know, when he did volume one, you know, he gave promises that you're going to get X, Y, and Z and he couldn't fit it all in there, but it's not like he was cheap with the content. It's because it was so packed. He had to do a volume two and then he speculated maybe volume three a couple of years ago, but he said, you know, it wouldn't be his main focal point because of how long it takes. And he finally wrapped it up. And I mean, that's still well over 400 pages of like, for those that haven't seen the book, it's, you know, it's not one of those visual compendiums where you're going to get blown away in terms of like the glossy stock and color photos, but you will be blown away in terms of the content and amount of writing. That's the catch. I, I would, I would relate it to a traditional soft cover college textbook, for, literally like, yeah. you know, you, that's exactly what it looks like with, you know, with uh, black and white photos and really cool d- sketches and diagrams throughout. So that's the big plug for me as we wrap up GVGP33. So check out I Hope on the indie scene, Double Plus Good Games, first published title. Check out Untold History Japanese Game Developers, Volume 3. I'm thrilled to be back here with Molly uh, in good spirits here, uh, approaching the end of first quarter 2018. I've had an awesome time. And before we sign out, I will give Molly a final statement. SNK Heroines, yes or no? No. No, no. No, I love no. you know what I I I, I love the females. I, I love the SNK girls. Uh, I'm not going to be disrespectful and and dog it because I was very vocal about King of Fighters 14, and I know they fixed a lot of stuff. It has a fan base. They were good to their fans. It's still the only King of Fighters, pretty much, that I don't own. And when I saw SNK heroin, as you know, what I, I have only one interesting thing to say about it. You know what I find interesting about it? Uh, Atlas are publishing it stateside correct yeah so that's kind of interesting i think they are yeah yeah they showed off the limited edition and stuff and i'm not gonna lie um i, I didn't even yeah i just because it's, it's using the king of fighters 14 engine and all that stuff right uh yeah yeah i yeah. i know it is is ko 14 engine yeah yeah so i couldn't uh the, the most exciting thing i saw today of the female form in the gaming world but while i was looking for tidbits and notes for today's episode is I saw the Soul Calibur 6 trailer with Ivy. Oh, uh, yeah. So Ivy was always a favorite of mine. I wouldn't mind taking orders from her instead of my boss day to day. Can we just... Okay, so first of all, uh, Anthony Stumstone <laughs> will read I Love the Females. Um, <laughs> second of all, can, can we just like... Can we just not with criticizing Ivy? Like, like <laughs> we're, we're the sixth Soul Calibur... If you don't know what she's going to be at this point, like, just walk away, all right? You know, like, there's certain characters, like, you know, I mean, Sophia, you can maybe argue a little bit because she was never as busty or as showy as she kind of is now. So if you want to argue, that's fine. Sure. Like, Ivy's never not been what she is. So (laughs) if you are shocked, and I have seen people who have been like, well, I thought they were going to tone her down. Like, why? Like, no, come on. Like, if you don't know what Ivy is at this point, just just stop, okay? Please, they're not they're not going to pull stop. a Laura cross yeah, like, Ivy at this point. And they and then they shouldn't, you know. Ivy is Ivy. Like if she, right. you know, that's like that's like Voldo coming out like in a suit and a tie, you know. Like <laughs> that's not what you want. Like you don't want yeah. Ivy like dressed. I'm sorry, you don't want Ivy dressed. That's who she is. Right. There's plenty of other characters that will be fully dressed. That's what you want. So just just. Just don't. Just stop. All right. You know, just we should stop. take bets on. It's just this is such an inappropriate thing, and I'll, I won't go on about this. Okay, so I saw the trailer with Ivy, and obviously I'm making jokes, right? And I believe there's a bit of bounce in there with her, right? A bit of bounce. Well, well, oh, I mean, okay, you know, yeah. I, I, to, be, to be clear, I, 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 know, I haven't looked that closely. I saw it on yeah. my phone, so I don't know. Yeah. 
here's the here's the thing. After the game is released, will the bounce stay or will it get patched out? Oh, it's gonna stay. No, they're not gonna. You think so? No. They patched that stuff out at SF five. I know we're talking Namco and Capcom, two different things, but do you think it's going to stay? I mean, okay, so so yes, we okay. To be clear, some of the bounce in SF five was clearly bugged. I mean, it was stupid levels of just ridiculous bounce that. that I wouldn't say DOA bad. levels. It was way worse than DOA. Oh, okay, but then I must have missed it. I must have. Had my I was eyes what I'm thinking okay. of. I mean, I yeah. I, I, know, I, I know SF five patched out nipples on Chun Li, or like no, I think Chun Li never really had them. I think it was just her outfit. Cammy had them. Yep. And yep. I think just at a certain point with like storyline stuff, they're like, yeah, this, this is going to look just too weird. So we're going to get rid of them. Because so, I know that the big question now is like, what do they do with Taki? You know, because Taki famously or infamously, you know, if you look at even her original Soul yes. Blade artwork. Yes. Like, yeah, nipples on display there. Um, sure. She's like yeah. a white, like skin tight outfit and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but no, it's funny because. Like, this conversation is kind of, like, my, my one problem I have with SNK heroines. Well, not necessarily one, but I'm totally cool with Ivy. I'm totally cool with DOA. Cool stuff like that. I'm not okay with SNK heroines. Like, I'm not okay with them sexing up that roster of characters. Like, especially, like, Nakarubu, like, seeing her like that, that just really bothers me. And... You go back to like Gal Fighters, and I loved Gal Fighters, but that was like cutesy. You know, Near that was pocket. like, yeah, that was yeah, silly, yeah, cute, fun. Yep, it yes. wasn't like yep. sexy fan service like this yep. is. And I, I just, I, I don't like the lengths they're going to with that cast and certain members of that cast. What I will do then, because it seems like you've put more time into looking at. Uh, uh, SNK heroines I will do a little bit more homework on it because I've only seen a couple snippets so I haven't seen any of this so I can talk about it more next time if you remember so yeah I'll see yeah. I will probably agree with you because the issue I have is when it's an artist's original concept or like what you know what it's supposed to be so to speak what we know and then they do that with the exception and I'm not being funny with the exception ironically of what was done with Laura Croft I think that's an exception in gaming where they change that character save that's a totally different thing but like, if you're saying Nakaruru, like they've like sexed her up, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, like there's a certain like I mean, you, like SNK characters are very very near and dear to my heart, and I think mm-hmm. one of the things that I've always loved about SNK has been they've had such a, a diverse and strong cast of like female characters. Right. And so I think reducing all of them to like the DOA level like bothers me. Right. You know. Because they, they, I care a lot about those characters. Well, I will definitely check that out. And uh, in closing here, GVGP33 coming to an end. Want to thank Molly for taking the time once again out of her busy schedule. Glad we got back together. Uh, and as we sign out, as always, don't forget radio.morningproject.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Find me on Twitter at 24bitAJE. That's with the number two, the number four. Molly on Twitter at Molly Penn, M-O-L-L-I-P-E-N. And uh, if you don't have us on iTunes already, just search Morning Radio or GVGP. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. And check out EGMnow.com for the latest, the hottest, most insightful gaming information on the planet. And with that, we'll catch you next time.